Hey, church. How's everybody doing? So glad you're here. Welcome to all of the campus locations. Would you just give a shout out on the count of three? Woo! Talking about the Durham campus. Sanford campus, by the way, it is Pastor Trent's last Sunday at the Sanford campus. He and Jess and those awesome little boys have done a phenomenal job pastoring that campus. It's his last Sunday there. Next Sunday, he will be here as the Durham campus pastor. And so we just want to celebrate them and what they've done at Sanford. And I know you folks are going to uh, really send them off and bless them today as they transition over to this campus. Columbia campus, two campuses in Kenya, Hillsboro campus, North Durham, Wake Forest, Garner, and Church Online. Come on, one more time, celebrate the movement. One church in many locations. Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome those of you who might be watching this online. I wanna just take a moment before I really get into this today to say thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Um, if you've been around here this summer, you know that I've done this summer what I typically do during the summer. I teach less, I kind of scale it back, I, I spend it in study. And so I've had a great study break. And as a result of you being gracious and welcoming some other amazing teachers to this stage, I've got uh, my teaching and preaching planned out from now till the end of May of 2019, and I'm excited. And uh, I wanna tell you about the first series that we're starting on September 9th. Now, if I were to ask you, seriously, if I were to ask you, what do you think is the most important thing a Christian needs to develop in their faith walk, what would you say that is? Obedience. Obedience. Somebody said prayer, somebody said word. Listen to me, if you were to say, Pastor, what do you think is the most important thing for a Christian to develop? Listen closely, this is what I think it is. It's a game changer. I would say, I believe the most important thing for a believer to develop in his or her life is the ability to hear the word of God. To actually hear God speak. And by the way, I'm not just talking about through his word, though this is the primary way he speaks, amen? But I'm going to be kicking off a series, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. I'm gonna be kicking off a series and I'm gonna spend six or seven weeks doing my very best to help you learn, A, that God still speaks, and B, how I can hear his voice. Not just from the scriptures. You do know, don't you, that God speaks in various ways. And we're going to be looking at that. And here's a little trailer to get you fired up about it. Check it out.
so excited about it. Father, um, at the end of the day, more than anything, God, we wanna hear your voice. And then God, once we hear your voice, I pray that we would be a people with courage and boldness to actually act on your voice. Father, I pray that you anoint that particular series, God, to do an amazing work in our church's life this fall. But God, before we jump there, we pray that you will speak to us today. Our hearts are opened. Our minds are opened. Our lives are open. Father God, if you do not speak today, then nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, got a question for you. How many of you like to ride a roller coaster? Roller coaster people. Oh, good. Wow. This is the, this is the crazy crowd. Uh, how many of you that didn't raise your hand, you used to like to roller, ride a roller coaster, but you kind of got old and you're not down with it anymore? All right, keep it going at all of our campuses. How many of you, when you do ride a roller coaster, you are like white knuckling the rail in front of you and your teeth are locked? How many of you are like me, when you ride a roller coaster, you want to be on the front row, baby, with hands up? Those are my people. See, those are my people. See, see there's all kinds of reasons to raise our hands, is there not? We ride roller coasters and we lift them up. Um, how many of you are going to go to school this week? We got all the schools starting back this week. How many parents are praising God? I'm just saying. Uh, college students, they've already started typically, or they're going to be going back as well. And you might be in class this year, and you might raise your hand. Hey, I got the answer, teacher. Or maybe you need to ask a question, whatever. We all raise our hands for different things. Maybe you've been at a party, and this right here start thumping on the system. Come on. We raise our hands for all kinds of different things. Football fans, come on, football is starting. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry if you don't like football. I, I know I talk about it a lot. It's, I love football, man. I got issues. I love it. I love it. I love it. A uh, little story, you know, Chapel Hill football, football's almost dying over there in Chapel Hill. Um, I don't mean Tar Heels, don't take it the wrong. I'm talking about like in rec ball. Like I, I coach my kids in baseball, basketball, and football. And um, my boy Caleb is playing. He's, he's a freshman. He's a quarterback. Homeboy threw for like 200 yards the other night. They beat a crosstown rivalry, 41 to 16. Yeah, yeah, I'm bragging on my son because I can. He's awesome. But, but anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a small little football team. And so we picked, up, we picked up Caleb and his buddy Anthony, who also goes to our church. And Anthony's small. And we're riding. And Anthony's just complaining about how small the team is this year. And finally, Anthony goes, man, it's Chapel Hill. He goes, we just need to bring obesity back. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He goes, all the, all the vegetarians and veganism. He goes, we need, to, we need to bring some obesity back. I'm not kidding. Um, but football, man, I love football. Like, uh, it's starting this weekend, college football. And then, and, then, and then two weeks from now, man, two weeks from now, NFL, here's my team. I, I'm a Colts fan. I'm a Colts fan. Any, any Colts fans in the house? I am a Colts fan. How about, how, about, how about Carolina Panthers? Come on, how about, yeah, yeah. 
man, love football, but we, we raise our hands for all kinds of things. Or if you were at the night of worship this week, right here at Durham, you know it was awesome. Maybe you're in worship and, and you're one of those and you just, you, you raise your hands in worship. Guys, here's what I've been learning lately more than ever. I've been learning that Amazing things start to happen in my life when I start to take my hands from here or maybe from here and I start to lift them up to God. So, so God's just been reminding me afresh and anew lately that, that this is no way to live life. And white knuckling like you're on a roller coaster is no way to live life. But God's been showing me that if I would just, if I would just learn to lift my hands more, and release all the things that God has given me to his purpose and his glory in the world. I'm learning more and more that great things start to happen. And I must tell you again, if I can just thank you again, I'm so honored to, to get to serve a congregation like the New Hope Movement at all of our campuses. Because I still can't believe the buzz and the energy that this particular passage of scripture created amongst you in our current series, Jesus said, what? Like I would have, I would have never thought that you would want me to talk about a passage like I'm gonna talk to you about today. And it just goes to show me, I've, I've never seen a more beautiful, faithful people in all my life than the New Hope Movement. I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew 19. And I want you to hear God's word today. Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 through 26. If you love the word of God, let me hear an amen. 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 Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a what? Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Now, come on, I want to ask you to do something. I know it's going to, I know it's going to push some of you, but I, I want to ask you to just... Lift your hands up for this next verse. Just, just, just lift them up. Just lift them up. For some of you, I know that's a stretch, but you know what? That might be powerful. That might be freeing for you. You might, you might then get comfortable leaving them up in a song maybe. I don't know. You don't have to do that to worship. Leave them up and listen to this. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, what church? With God, all things are possible. Well done. Oh, yeah. So, so we polled our church back a couple months ago and said we're going to do a series called Jesus Said What? And we listed all these verses of Scripture, radical verses of Jesus, crazy verses. And again, the energy that this one, this passage created was quite powerful and encouraging to me. It is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God... Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel. I don't know if you can see this. Camel. Can y'all see that? We got some pretty nice cameras around here. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Hey, I, last, last celebration. You missed it, dude. You came to the wrong celebration. You missed it. I'm sorry, you missed it. We had a camel on the stage. And, and when I said you missed it, like I don't mean you missed like one of the most powerful days in the history. You missed one of the most memorable days in the history of New Hope because there was this giant camel that, do y'all, and, and he was supposed to face this way to you. You know what he did? And when a camel decides he's gonna do something, you don't, you don't change that. He, he faced this way. You can go watch this online. So the entire celebration, I tried to teach the word of God while a camel's butt was right here. And he had some, how shall I put it, excretions. Did you know, a little trivia, I didn't know this. When a camel urinates, he urinates about two gallons. If you could see your face right now, it's awesome. And, and do, do y'all smell? I know you can't smell this at the campuses, but there is a fragrance, um, air freshener smell here. Do, do you know why? Because we just shampooed carpet and cleaned the stage. And, 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 and then, and then I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you, you missed it. You should not sleep in on Sundays. Then when the message was over, Daryl, who is the camel owner, tried to pull the camel back this way like he's supposed to, like, like the camel was supposed to go that way. Guess what the camel decided to do? Decided to back up. And he fell. You got to go watch this online, dude. He, I, he, I, I was, we, we were shooing people in this section because I thought, oh no, they're gonna, somebody's going, a camel's going to fall on somebody. Um, I, ju I just had a friend, John Stillman. He's a friend of mine. John Stillman just texted me. And because we're talking about money today, you already know that. He goes, um, I'm going to up my tithe to 11% from 10% because like y'all need to increase your insurance liability at that place. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And so, and so then the camel got out here, but guess what? He, he, he decided he wasn't gonna go out. We had, we had a camel loose up in the worship center last, <laughs> loose. Now it stinks that you didn't see that, but I, you, you might wanna see a camel. Do you wanna see a camel? Am I gonna bring him back on this stage? Heck no, <laughs> heck no. But come on, come on, come with me, come with me, come on. What's up, New Hope? This, this is, a, I've called him Camel Joe. I don't know his name, but this is our camel. And this is Daryl. Everybody say, hey, Daryl. This is Camel Joe. Oh, he wants to eat something. I got some, I got some animal crackers in my hand. He likes the kind that look like a camel. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're okay, buddy. Listen to me, church. Jesus said it is easier for a camel. Look at the size of this thing. To go through the eye of a needle. He's licking my butt. He really is. He wants another animal cracker. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy day at New Hope Church. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What in the world is Jesus saying to us today? If you follow much of the New Testament and you follow Jesus and the footsteps of Jesus, you actually 
come to realize that Jesus would often use hyperbole in his teaching. He would use what church? Hyperbole, it's, it's what you might call exaggeration. I mean, some of you use it all the time. Some of you can't communicate without exaggerating, right? <laughs> um, but Jesus would use hyperbole. And so if you think about Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, hey, you've heard that it said it is wrong to commit adultery. But if you even look at a woman lustfully, Jesus says, gouge your eye out. Now, now, come on, come on, come on. Did Jesus really mean for us to gouge our, our, our eyes out? As far as I can tell, there's nobody with an eye patch up in here. And if you do have one at any of our campuses or online, I'm sure it's not because you gouged your eye out. Jesus is using hyperbole. Matthew 5, 28 and 29. He says, if your hand causes you to steal, cut it off. Matthew 5, 30. I don't, I don't see any hands missing around here and I would venture to guess most everybody in here at one point in time, you've taken something that didn't belong to you. Jesus is using hyperbole to make a point, a very drastic point, that those of you that might be in the affluent crowd will have a very hard time understanding the gospel message and more importantly, understanding the way in which we have to go from this, come on, to this. And so I want to talk to you today about what we might call the affliction of affluence. The what church? The affliction of affliction. Affluence. You do know, come on, come on. You do know, don't you, there are dangers in being affluent. And some of you are sitting there already thinking, well, am I affluent or not? Don't worry, we'll get to that. But the fact that you're asking the question is probably an indication that you are. The affliction of affluence. When you are blessed with stuff, if you are not careful, that very stuff can become a hindrance to your relationship with God. Solomon, the wisest one to ever live, had lots of stuff. But look at what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5.10 out loud. Ready? Go. Those who love money never have enough. Those who love wealth are never satisfied with their income. You see, it is a myth it is a myth of epic proportion, particularly here in the West, to think that the more stuff you have, the more satisfied you're going to be. The more stuff that you have, the more happy I'm going to be. Many people fall into this myth. But friends, the Bible says, and Jesus lets us know very clearly, there are dangers when it comes to having more. With more comes more responsibility. With more comes more expectations from God. With more comes more spiritual dangers. In fact, Jesus said elsewhere, to whom much is given, what? Much is required. He warned us that if you have much, it is hard to enter the kingdom of God. As hard as you might imagine a big camel 
trying to fit through the eye of a needle. Now, hear me, hear me. The Bible's not saying that there's anything wrong with having stuff. The Bible's not saying, you'll hear this sometimes out there, the Bible is not anti-more. The Bible is anti-accumulating more. The Bible is saying that the way to live is not like this, like a, a reservoir where everything I get, I just hoard and it becomes mine. No, it, it's not a reservoir, it's a river. It's a river through which if God gives you more, God wants to pour his blessings and anointing through you to bless the world. The Bible's not anti-more. Think about Abraham. Remember Abraham in Genesis? Abraham had plenty. He was the father of nations, right? The father of our nation, if you will. And look at what the Bible says in Genesis 12. And I will bless those who what? And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The question becomes is will you, will I, will we be the few camels that actually make it through the eye of a needle and learn to use our stuff to bless other people? Now, in the same way that there are dangers in being affluent, there are dangers in not having much. You know this, don't you? Some of you are sitting there going, I'm glad he ain't talking to me today. I ain't got anything. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you in the end. Don't worry. You might be a little off base. You might need a little bit of recalibrating. But there are dangers in being in the less affluent crowd. The greatest danger I can think of, and I see it quite often, is if you don't have much, particularly in America, if you're not careful, your tendency will be to look at those who do and grow jealous. Your tendency will be to look at those who do or those who have that car that you want or you go over to their house and they want to watch a movie with you and you can't even enjoy the movie because you're so jealous about their flat screen. <laughs> Right, or you want that next job, or you want that promotion, or if I can only get that raise, if I can only get that commission, if I can only get that house, and you're, you're into this, if I can only, if I can only do this, if I can only do that, if I can only reach this level and have this many square feet, then I'll be happy. It is a lie straight from the pits of you know where. But nonetheless, Jesus' brother James actually helps us with this teaching. James actually says to those of you who might consider yourself in a lower affluent stratosphere, if you will, he says this, James 1, verse 9. I love your engagement today. Read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. One more time, really loud. Believers in ought to take pride in their high position position. What James is saying is that even though you might be in a less affluent category, never forget, listen, that your identity, that your hope, that your contentment does not come from the things you own, but they come from who you are in Christ Jesus. It comes from, yeah, you ought to clap about that. It comes from, 
It comes from the fact that God has deemed you a child of the most high God. It comes from the fact that God died on a cross for you. And if you are a child of God, listen, you have clout with God. So the important thing to remember is who we are. But again, here's the, if you will, here's the $64,000 question. Are you affluent or not? Are you affluent or not? And the way we're gonna get at this is I'm gonna engage you in a little survey right now, if you would. Everybody grab a pen. Would you, would you indulge me for a moment? Grab a pen at all of our campuses. They're in the chair pockets. And by the way, if you wanna steal it in the name of Jesus, we won't cut your hand off. Take it with you. Maybe it'll fall before somebody and they'll need Christ in a church and they'll come visit us at one of our campuses. Can I get an amen? Grab the pen, they're, they're on the, if you're on the front rows, they're underneath you, but the rest of you, they are in the chair pockets in front of you. I, I want you to do a survey with me today. Young, old, doesn't matter. Rich, poor, I want you to do a survey. I want you to survey the value of your stuff, not at home, not even in your car. The stuff you have on you right now, right now. And don't worry, I'm gonna lead you through it. Some of you are like, what do I have on me? Okay, I'm gonna lead you through it. Start with your clothing. Just how much did those clothes wear, uh, cost? How much did they wear? <laughs> how much did they cost? Think about your clothing. If you wanna be conservative, you can. It's still gonna make the point I'm trying to make. How much did your pants cost? And your shirt? And your socks, if you got socks? How much did your undergarments cost? If you got a coat on, how much did it cost? Got it? Just add it up. Add it up. Just ballpark it. Write, write that number down. Then add your jewelry. Add your jewelry. How, how, much, how much did the jewelry, not that you have home, ladies, because we know that's a lot. The jewelry that you have on you right now, guys and ladies, ring, I got, I got, I got a couple rings on, right? Your jewelry, your watches, your watches, earrings, bracelets, necklaces, got, got a number, got a number, just ballpark it. Again, if you want to give yourself the benefit of the doubt and be conservative, go for it. Add up, add up your purses and your wallets. How much, how much was that worth as well? iPhones, iPhones. Well, some of you don't have iPhones. Um, Android, Samsung. Does anybody still use a Blackberry? You remember that thing? Does anybody have a Blackberry? I didn't think so. I'd love to see one. Add up your phones. You got it? How much did your phone cost? Not your monthly rate, but what that bad boy costs. Glasses, glasses. How much do your glasses cost? Or contacts. You got it? Got it? Write that number down. Cash, cash. Woohoo! I know nobody carries cash anymore. But some of you like, you like to carry a big old wad because you get your identity from your wad. But anyway, um, how much, how much, how much cash do you have? Not your credit cards. Again, I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. Not your credit card, your cash. How much cash you got on you? And if you don't know, don't pull it out and start counting your dough. Just guesstimate. <laughs> Some brother in the back looking at the Ben Franklin's. Dum, dum, dum. No, no, no. Got it all, got it all, got it all. Underline it. Add it up. Add it up. 
Now raise your hand, raise your hand. If your total is above $200, just, just, you guys are so engaged. I love it. Hold them up, hold them up, 200. Okay, at all of our campus. Now, now everybody drop your hands. Raise your hands if your total is over 500. Come on, come on, come on. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. All the campuses. Raise your hands if your total is around $1,000 or more. Now listen, 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 listen. With all due respect, we are affluent. You say, what, what, see, we, we compare our haves and have nots in America. Now listen to me. And I'm not making light. Some of you I know, some of you have a hard time financially and you never feel like you can get ahead and my heart is with you. I'm not making light of it, but just stick with me here for just a moment, please. Where we have two campuses in Kenya, where we have two campuses in the, in the Nairobi area, Thika Town and Kajanga in, in that area, most people live on $300 a year. That's less than a dollar a day. I was in Guatemala this summer with a group and the same situation exists there except for the coffee farmers who grow and sell Guatemalan coffee. Glory to God, hallelujah. I was also in Bolivia this summer on a missions trip with uh, Compassion International. The same situation. Most folks live on less than a dollar a day. Again, and I'm not making light of how you might feel times are tough, but just follow me for just a moment. To live in America, even as low as you might feel, is to live in the top 5% of people on planet Earth. We are blessed we're blessed now in my remaining time I want to talk to you about a subject that is very important in the Bible the subject in the Bible is the one thing that the Old Testament and the New Testament clearly taught it is the one thing that can recalibrate our minds and recalibrate our hearts so that we actually get this financial situation right. It is the one thing that the Bible sets out very clearly, unequivocally from start to finish that if you wanna recalibrate and if you wanna be faithful with your finances, if you wanna be one of the few camels, hello, that gets through the eye of a needle, then you're going to have to learn how to practice the concept of the biblical tithe. The biblical what? Not tie. Not, I don't wear those. Not tie. Tithe. It's the concept of the tithe. Write this in your teaching notes. If, if you got your teaching notes out, write this down. The most effective and faithful way 
to avoid the affliction of affluence is through the God-given biblical directive of the what? Tithe. There are so many great things that God is doing through your generosity, church. And I could spend all day long, literally all day long, talking to you about the amazing things that God is doing through your tithes. All kinds of children in Hopetown at all of our campuses getting saved on a regular basis. Hope missions around the world where we are blessing the least of these in the name of Christ. Student ministry salvations and students getting baptized in a beach in Florida this summer. Adult baptisms that will happen today. Thousands of people literally every single week hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ being saved and learning how to live out the faith. Tens of thousands of people hearing the gospel message online. Ten campuses throughout the Carolinas and beyond. An orphanage, the Ark Orphanage that you, we own together in Kenya, all as a result of your giving. I could go on and on and on, but more than anything, I just want to say thank you. Like on behalf of Christ and his church, thank you for honoring God with the tithe. The Bible says where your treasure is, you're right, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You might be wondering, what is a tithe? I don't take anything for granted anymore. I know some of you didn't grow up in the church. You haven't been taught this stuff. Here's a tithe, write this down. Biblically speaking, a tithe is a tenth of one's income given to the church for the purposes of God and the advancement of God's kingdom in the world. It's a what? Tenth. A tenth of one's income given to the church for the purposes of God in the world. And so for just a moment, I'm going to teach just as plainly as I can about tithing. And then our executive pastor is going to come out and walk you through how you might do that. The most effective way to do it is through online giving. But I'm I'm just going to talk about it. And, And I used to apologize for talking about tithing. God, forgive me. Why should I apologize when the Bible is crystal clear? This is how God advances his kingdom. Listen, some of you grew up in the church. Some of you didn't, like I said, but some of you did. God never intended for the church to be funded from bake sales or car washes. Glory to God. It's through tithing. It's through a believer, again, understanding their identity, And setting up the tithe to give to God. And then God advances his kingdom through us. Old Testament and New Testament. Look at what the Bible says. I mentioned Abraham earlier. Genesis 14, 19 through 20. Come on, out loud. You read the last one so well. Ready? Go. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high. 
possessor of heaven and earth. Let's continue. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a... Gave him a what? I could take you to Leviticus. I could take you to Proverbs. I could take you throughout the Old Testament. But you know it's in the Old Testament. But some of you are like, I'm not sure that's in the New Testament. Oh, if, if you only knew. Look at what Matthew 23 says. These are the words of Jesus. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You what? You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. And what are they, church? He has it right there. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Very important things. Agreed? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Jesus says, hey, you tithe on these other things, but these are the things you're neglecting, you hypocrites. And then he says this, you should have practiced the latter, i.e. justice, mercy, and faithfulness. What's that next part? Without neglecting the former. Now listen to the connection to Matthew 19, the camel. You blind guides, watch this. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. So unapologetically, I want to end today and invite Pastor George Franco out. I want to end with a clear calling to you if you are a child of God. You got to watch the affliction of affluence. I want to challenge you to start tithing. If you already tithe, we got a lot of those here. Praise God. If you don't, I want to challenge you to do it. And I want you to know that you might step up to that task with fear and trepidation. You might be a little nervous about it. That's why we call it faith. I can still remember being 21 years old and starting to tithe for the very first time. I was 21 years old and I was a student pastor. I'd been a Christian since I was 18 years old. So do the math. I, I was a Christian for like three years before I ever started tithing. I'm not, I'm not proud of that. But I finally mustered up the courage to start tithing. I was a student pastor. I was 21 years old. I was making some bang. $16,500 a year. $16,500. So I sat down. I still remember it like it was yesterday at my desk. And I, I figured up the tithe, $16,500, $1,650 was my tithe. I divided that by 12 because I chose to give monthly. Some of you give weekly, but I chose to give monthly. 10% divided by 12. It came to $137.50 a month was my tithe. I was a college student. I wasn't poor, I was po. I was trying... <laughs> There's a difference between poor and po. Can I get a witness? And I was trying to get through pharmacy school. I was, I was a pharmacy major. And my point is, it was, it, I, was, I was nervous. You might be as well. But it was one of the greatest decisions of my life.
And I wanna invite you to join the rest of us in doing the same. And listen, it's not that I'm sitting here and I want something from you. No, no. And hopefully I've earned the right to speak to you like this. And hopefully you know my heart. I don't want something from you as much as I want something for you. You step up to tithing and you watch God move in your life like you couldn't. Oh, we got some witnesses out here. You watch God move in your life and you'll be one of the few to make it through the eye of a needle. Second thing, write it down. The most effective and faithful way to give the biblical tithe is through online giving. Nobody carries cash anymore. Nobody writes checks anymore. And right now our church is about 70% online giving. We have a goal to get to 80% in the next six months, 80%. And I've realized some of you like, you want to do it, but you're not sure how to do it. So George Franco is our executive pastor. He's a great man of God. I want you to welcome him to this stage as he just spends about five minutes, just short, and talks to you about online giving. Give it up for him. Well, this uh, matter of tithing is so important. And a um, long time ago, my wife and I, um, I think you guys have heard some of my story before, but um, I was diagnosed with a stage four testicular cancer at the age of 22. And all through life, uh, my parents had taught me the importance of tithing, but at this very young age, we had very little income. And, um, and we wanted to make sure that when you get sick, like is no amount of money, is enough, right? You would write whatever check you could possibly write. My parents were right by our side. They were trying to help us financially however they could. We had friends gather around us. You wanna write a check and be better, right? When you find out that you have an illness, but we also know that healing comes from God. He's in charge of all things. He is the healer, the great provider along the way. And so there's a season where we really wanted to make sure that our treasure was where our heart was. And we wanted to make sure that we put our heart where our treasure was. And so we became systematic givers. All through our illness, um, my wife's job had laid her off and uh, we had no income. I was a student still. I was just getting ready to graduate college. And we wanted to make sure that we continue to honor God. And so with no income coming in, what we found is every day we go to the mailbox, there'd be a check in the mailbox from someone. And they'd be like, hey, we know that times are tight. We know that you're ill. There's medical bills piling up. You have a baby. We had an infant that was about four months old. And uh, every time a check would come in, we would look at it and say, that's God's provision, right? Like we didn't put our hand to the plow and we didn't necessarily work to earn it, but God provided for us along the way. And so we wanted to make sure that we tithed on that. We said, we believe we're putting our faith that God can make that 90% go farther than the 100%. And we're also believing that we're putting our treasure where we want our heart to be. We're laying that treasure in a place where we believe God works the biggest and the greatest, where God's the most faithful in our lives. And we want our heart to be with God, not necessarily on man and medicine and all the other things that come with it, even though God has made that a way of provision for healing for us. And so I just wanted to walk you through earlier. Um, we talked a little bit about how Paul 
um, talked about the church in Philippi and how he encouraged them that they were generous givers. Well, he also talks in the New Testament about being a systematic and intentional giver. He tells, in Corinthians, he tells the church to think about their giving. Don't hurry up. Don't get to church at the last minute and say, oh, I should give something today. Don't, uh, in the middle of the week, say, oh my gosh, I should give something to God. But be thinking and praying about what it is that God wants you to give. A tithe is a tenth, the first fruits of your giving. And be systematic that when you uh, receive, that you give. And that's the spot where you begin to trust that God will do more with the 90 than the 10. And so here at New Hope, we made giving as simple as possible so that when you get to the spot where you've been intentional about it and you're getting to systematic giving that you can do it quickly and easily. And if you have your cell phones with you, we're gonna show you on the screen how easy it is. It takes about a minute, 30 seconds. And if you've not given to New Hope before digitally, you can go to uh, texting, but it's so easy. You put in 77977 and, uh, and then you put in NH movement. and hit send. And really quickly, it's gonna send you back a link that looks like this right at the top. And if you click on that link, it's gonna take you right into our giving application. And here you can pick a dollar amount that you want to give. And I set it up, I've been testing this all week long, so I've given a lot this week, but I, I'll put $10 in. And you can see right there on the screen that it asks you if you wanna give a one-time gift or a recurring gift. And so to be a systematic giver, to give as you receive, you might set it up as a recurring giver, a digital reoccurring giver, and then ask you the frequency. And you can set that up with your income, how you get paid. If you get paid every week, every two weeks, once a month, or two times a month, you can set that up in there. You can put the beginning date, the ending date. I just put when I cancel it, because I wanna be a regular giver. If God changes something with my income, it's a place where I can pray and be intentional about my giving. And then because we have so many campuses across the globe and because so many people now tune in and watch online, I picked the online campus today, but you can pick the campus that you attend. That's your local storehouse. And then if you hit next, it's gonna come up with payment options. Now you'll see that I have several payment options that are already uh, entered into uh, my application. And I can use my American Express card or my MasterCard, or if I want a different option, I can really quickly hit add. And it will give me the option to add a credit card here. You really quickly put in your credit card information, expiration date and code. It's gonna shoot you back a text message to securely uh, confirm what, uh, that you are the person putting in the information. Now, here's a really cool feature. If you give by check, you're like, I like writing a check, or maybe I use my bill pay, and you wanna be a regular recurring digital online giver like Pastor Benji talked about, you can go to bank account and you can take the information off the bottom of your check, enter it into here, and it'll set up a reoccurring gift for you in the same manner that we saw in the previous screen. So if I back up here, I can pick my, uh, the credit card that I wanna use. I scroll to the bottom, I hit schedule, recurring gift, and it's gonna send me a uh, text confirmation code to enter. And uh, you come back to your app and you input that. And, uh, and then your gift is giving. You can see, thank you for your generosity, it'll send you a code. And it's that easy. And so from beginning to end, it takes about a minute, 30 seconds to do it the first time. And from there on, it takes no longer than about 20 seconds to give systematically and regularly to what God's doing here. 
And the amazing thing is that through your generosity that there's people all over the world beginning to know who Jesus is for the first time. They're beginning to have a relationship with him and their lives will be changed for all of eternity. And we do believe that one day we'll stand in heaven next to people that we've had the opportunity to share what God's given us with so that they know who Jesus is. And we'll be in the same heaven together one day, all right? So I hope you guys engage in it. I hope you'll trust God and you'll see the same results in your life that my wife and I have seen in our life. We love the text to give feature because it allows us to be intentional and systematic with our giving and put our treasure where we want our heart to be, all right? Pastor Benji's gonna come out and uh, wrap up today's message. Thank you, Pastor George. Well, let's just worship. Let's just get ready to, to worship today and go baptize people outside. Amen. In fact, there are people sitting around you who have decided to get baptized today. Can we just honor them and celebrate them? And, and maybe you're on the fence and, and maybe during this final song, maybe you'll be encouraged and challenged and inspired to do that. We're going to sing a song, Resurrecting. And it's about God resurrecting. Jesus, yes, but stuff inside of us. And again, I pray that maybe this song, if you're not sure, you've never had a public profession of faith, we got everything you need. We'll be outside. But about this area that we've talked about today, I pray that God will resurrect inside of you a desire to be faithful with your finances. I challenge you to go home and think about this. We've been on the summer, everybody's kind of been scattered, but like if you were to look back over the first eight months of this year, how are you doing? How are you doing? Are you on track to live out and give God, not Benji, God his tithe? If you haven't, maybe you could adjust and figure out the rest of the year so that you not only start tithing, but you, you catch up. Or maybe you're used to and then you stop and you catch up. And I can see in December, all of us standing at the end of the year, praising God because so many of us and I say us, honored God with his tithe. May he get all the glory. May he get all the honor. May he continue to use us for his fame in the world that we would see thousands and thousands and thousands of more people saved that we might reach, teach, and release to the glory of almighty God. Amen. Father, thank you for a great day. Uh, thank you for this visual, Lord, that I pray will never escape us, God. The idea of a little needle and a giant camel and realizing the challenging topic at which you gave us in your word. God, may we be a people who fit through that eye and adjust and move and adapt our lives to see how blessed we are, Father God, and then use those blessings for your glory in the world. And may you bless the givers, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>